0: Me and my cousins, it's a podcast. Three guys, three decades, three perspectives. Me and my cousins, it's a podcast. Bean Muggin Coffee Co. is a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired by the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a new single-origin coffee from around the world and their new Flavor of the Month Club. Bean Muggin and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee and their recently released K-Cups. Visit Bean Muggin and Coffee Co. and enter Cousins 10 at checkout. Bean Muggin and Coffee Co., the roast from the coast. What about you guys? What's Valentine's Day like for Mike?
1: All right, all right Mike, so So next, buddy. All right, so I, I actually – I think I did a pretty
2: good job this year. So um, I uh, I sent my sister a card, so I actually did send my sister something. Because she, we've always exchanged the gifts throughout our life, so she's she sent me a card too. So I sent her a little card, a little gift card. Um, nice. Got my mom flowers and a little chocolate, and then I got Kayla flowers, <laughs> chocolate, a card, and then like a, like something – like a, like a sports, like, I don't know, like a running, running sweatshirt or something like that. So I spent, took her out to a nice dinner on Wednesday, but Kayla went all out. Like, so she, like, she, I took her out for dinner and got all this stuff. She like prepared a dinner like herself. So like I took her out on Wednesday, but on Valentine's day, she kind of took the reins, but I still think I fared pretty well for like my first real valentine's like ever so I, I think i think I, I don't want to say it was an a but i think i did a solid b job and for my first valentine's day i think that's like solid survive in advance you know
0: yeah man I think it's the biggest thing to still be with the person the next valentine's day at yeah. least, uh, <laughs> monday after the valentine's day um so yeah, man, yeah. i hope you hope that worked out for you kenny what'd you end up doing
1: all right so mike that was really nice you got your sister something your mom something so what i did was i didn't get anybody shit all right you know, I'm 24 years old you know every penny matters at this point and i don't know i feel like it's hard to have a valentine at my age because chicks expect so much nowadays with all the social media this and that like they'll get a rolls royce and they still won't be happy you know they'll get a million dollars i don't know man Still won't be happy. So, I saved my money. You know, I chilled with some bros, and uh, yeah, that was my Valentine's Day. I probably should have got my mom something,
2: but it's a hindsight being twenty twenty, might have wanted to get mom something. But besides and, uh, that, I agree with everything else.
1: Yeah, you know, like every every uh, every penny is precious at this. You know, at these moments. Uh, in My opinion.
2: i I, I'm now, here, I, actually, I got a follow up question for you, Ken. And are you talking to anybody at the moment?
1: No. Okay, no.
2: ha- any dates like have you gone out with a girl on a date or two anything oh, like that yeah yeah. well my course. question she... is my this is my qu- no i know i mean recently because my question is after yeah, how many past, dates like, two is, yeah, yeah after how many dates is a valentine's day like implied like all right i took this girl out twice like do i have oh, to get her something nice. for valentine's day you know what i'm trying to say i all don't right. actually know the answer to that
1: I don't think it really goes by dates. I think it goes by the length of time you guys are kinda quote unquote Correct. talking. You know, if you're like talking for a couple months and shit, you know, I think you might want to think about Val Yeah, you do a little day. something. That's true. You know but I- yeah, you're right.
2: If you've gone on like two dates <clears throat> and you've been talking for like three weeks and you show up with like a like this awesome like thing like she might really love it or she might be like this guy's weird so i I guess it can go either way yeah
1: but listen i don't want to make the me and my cousins podcast too soft but in reality it's all about what your intentions are you know you can know girl for a day and and lose her and buy her flowers and this i don't want
0: to make the podcast too soft (laughs) let me quote a justin bieber record real quick (laughs) 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 i'm gonna give you my my take on it as somebody grew up in a different era I, to me, if you weren't together at Christmas and New Year's, you can't be like, you're not doing Valentine's Day together. I think it's got to be at least that six weeks or whatever. But here would be my move. If I was one of you guys and started dating somebody, like, say, February 1st and Valentine's Day is two weeks later, I would tell her I have some other thing to do that day. Like, me and my boy are going to an Islanders game. So there's no pressure. We're not going to be together. I got a family thing. I got a surgery planned, whatever it is.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm having surgery. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've got my knee scoped. And then we'll figure out what happens your next
1: Valentine's Day.
0: I think that's, it's, it's a blatant lie, but I think it's a good way to get out of the, get out of the things.
1: I'll keep that in my back pocket for some time in the future.
0: <laughs> um, so what do you guys think about the idea of Valentine's Day? Is it a good idea, a good holiday, bad holiday? Every guy thinks it's a pain in the neck. We can get that. We can acknowledge that, right?
1: We think it's a cool thing or not. Oh, I mean, God. I mean it's alright, but then you got guys like you Ang, where like their girl is in like their girl's birthday is in the same month, and then at that point it's just doing damage to your pocket. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a mess. I have know, a buddy that has Valentine's
0: and, Day. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, just Christmas, the birthday, and Valentine's Day. It's a, it's a yeah, tough, tough triple to deal with.
1: Yeah, one of my buddies had Valentine's Day his girl's birthday a week later, and then three weeks later, a wedding. I'm like, damn, bro, you're looking at a couple racks right there. Easily. Yeah, a
0: kid, you got to go start delivering pizza at night on top of his regular job just to pay for those three things back and back. He
1: has to start so- delivering pizza on top of working the overnights at Wawa. <laughs> so,
2: so, like, I actually understand both arguments. Like, if you care for someone, like, you should really – do spontaneous things and stuff like that throughout the year. It shouldn't just be one day that like, you know, that shows like your, you know, love and affection or whatever. But I also understand the other perspective, like, Hey, like this is one day a year where like, you're going to like, you should, you know, just do a little something, a little different, like, kind of like it makes me feel happy. It, It shows that you care. And like, all right, you could, you could bite the bullet for one day. So I actually see it from both perspectives, but I'm totally down for this counter to it. If there's a holiday, that's, clearly geared towards women are we going to make one that's clearly geared towards guys in this society where we're all equal and anything like i don't know what to call it but a day where the girl would be like all right this day is for you like would, i'm going to do a little something special for this day would you say
0: a kind of version of that is super bowl sunday like oh, you kind of okay. leave your guy alone to watch the game with his, in a normal world why leave the guy alone for the day and night to watch the game with his boys
1: no, okay. not really. But, but okay. think
0: about what I just said, right? Think about I, I I, parties I, and shit like that, you
1: know? Right.
0: I want to just talk because I said something I didn't realize I said. Mike said, you go out of your way, do something special, buy a gift, go to a nice dinner, whatever, because that's what the girl wants, right? In my mind, what the guy wants is to be <laughs> left alone.
2: Left alone.
0: <laughs> Stand up and laugh. Build a Comedy Scene, Produce Your Own Shows, and Create Community by Angelo Gingerelli is available now on microcosmpublishing.com. If you're trying to make your way in a world of stand-up comedy, you can build your career while enlivening your local comedy community and mutually supporting your fellow humorists, and you can even have fun while doing it. Angelo Gingarelli shares his hard-won advice for anyone who wants to create a comedy scene from scratch in a smaller community, carve out their unique niche in a larger city full of professional funny people, or anywhere in between. Lots of good tips here for anyone organizing community events from how to book venues, get publicity, and avoid drama. Also includes great arguments for starting or joining a comedy scene rather than thinking of yourself as a lone wolf and solid wisdom for being an asset to an existing stand-up community. Stand Up and Laugh by Angelo Gingerelli is available now on microcosmpublishing.com. And it's another episode of the Me and My Cousins podcast, Angelo Gingerelli coming at you without Mike Giselle, without Kenny DeCosia. Uh, I like to introduce those guys into my world on this podcast, but I have to have a serious conversation with our next guest, and I want to leave them out of this in case it gets ugly for any of us. Uh, Carl Callen, how you doing, man? What's going on, Angelo? Uh, listen, I want to I talk to you about something. You, you're a regular at the Brighton Bar Open Mic. Every Monday you're there. You're usually very funny. But why, for the last six weeks in a row, do you just ignore the light and run it and embarrass me in front of all our friends?
3: Angelo, you said we could do a little extra. You gave us seven last night, so... I I gave you seven. You you took, like, 17. All right, Angelo. All right. Look, just to be honest with you, last night in particular, I was a little bit... I kind of thought you cut me off, Angelo. But I had a day to reflect, a hangover to reflect, and I realized... Dave Lipton did come in late, and you had a killer on deck. So I kind of I kinda understand it, but I, I, I don't think I'm out of bounds. 17, Angelo, 17? Yeah, okay,
0: I said early on, if you got some fire, you could have a few extra minutes to everybody in the room. You did not. You, were, you weren't ready for, for six, let alone seven or 17.
3: Bro, my, my Trujillo stuff was doing okay. Uh, wh- wh- what does that even mean? I was doing some stuff about the, the Dominican Republic, the dictator that they had years ago. I thought it was starting to hit. I thought I was starting to catch a rhythm. Angela.
0: Who in that room do you think had any idea what you were talking about? Uh, Dan Caprio? D- Dan Caprio, half of the foul house meets, 90% of the material is mocking
3: Richard Dweck. You think he's a big Dominican Republic history buff? Yeah, he's sicko. He gets a lot of facts wrong, but he loves history. All right. Look, like I told you, I reflected on it, Angelo, and I kind of was like, I kind of see where you're coming from as far as, like, when you got me off there. But one thing I do want to talk about is that you ended the show last night. And look, I understand we had some young ladies come in to check out the show and cut, like, half, about halfway through my set or whatever. And I know you got to kind of salvage a weird night at the end after Dave Lipton slaughters but you said, I'm sorry, ladies, that you had to come in and, and, and at the perfect time to watch two old white men hate on women. And one, all right, maybe there's a quote somewhere. I said I hate women sometimes in my set. But two old white men, Dave Lipton's like 108, Angelo. But, okay, right, Carl, I was the other, Carl, I
0: was talking so about white. me. It's about me and Dave Lipton.
3: Oh, all right, I misunderstood. I thought that was a shot, and I was like, are you upset because I used to call you Garibaldi? That's a compliment because Garibaldi was, again, was an Italian pioneer. And that's what I think of you as always. I sing your praises, Commander Tori. I'm surprised that you're upset with me because you said we could do a little extra. All right, I'll,
0: be, would- I'll be honest, man. Carl, if it was just a Monday night, it was a slow night. It was freezing outside. People had other mics last night. And you went over a little bit on one Monday. I let it slide, all right? But it's six weeks in a row. You haven't been on time with your set since, since the turn of 2021. And on top of that, on Thursday night, I was on the Totally Local podcast promoting my book, which is dropping on 225 of com. And you get in the comments, furiously texting in all caps about that I had RC Stab on the interview before you. Why, why would you have to, that was my big moment on Totally Local and all people want to talk about this week is not the book, not all the fire comments I said to host Andrew Talcott, but me and you having a fight about who I booked on a podcast. Couldn't you just text me instead of putting it on the IG live comments?
3: Absolutely, Angelo. I was in the wrong for that. Also, as I'm not afraid to, but at the same time, you understand where I'm coming from considering like, you know, give, give you know, give you flowers. I'm giving you flowers now, even though you're in great shape and you're probably going to live till you're, you know, 98. I'm giving you your flowers now. I always do. I sing your praises. And I just thought maybe it was a little bit left field out of bounds for you to put on RC stop. And I ordered the guy's book. I can check out the preview on Amazon and Kindle. I ordered the thing, Angelo. This is not, this was never derogatory towards you or RC style well, towards you. Yes. yourself, Because I feel like, you know, I thought we had a connection, Angelo, and I was just surprised that I don't make first season. I have to write in on episode three and ask questions to the panel just to get attention on me and my cousins. I do appreciate you, though, promoting the, the uh, album I put out and everything, though, Angelo. No, that, that
0: was one of my favorite albums of 2020, regardless of genre, in a very rough summer. That album created one kind of spot of sunshine for me and my family. We played it in the car multiple times. Uh, I, I like I think he shouted me out on there once, which I really appreciated. But uh, yeah, in, in all fairness, as much as I'm angry with you right now, that album deserves all the credit in the world. That was a very good album. That being said, where do you separate the art from the artist, right? Like R. Kelly makes songs like Bump and Grind, which are fire. I don't <laughs> like the guy. In this case, I can respect the OM Open Mic album by Carl Cowan, the artist. I have zero respect for Carl Cowan, the man, after the month and a half I've had with him as a person. Is that fair?
3: That's absolutely fair, Angelo, and what I'm going to do is, because you motivate me and you're on that life coach tip, I'm going to take what you said today, and I'm just... OM is going to be my TP2. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping if I can't remember R. Kelly's albums. You motivated me, though, Angelo, and my next project is dedicated to you.
0: Well, and I, It's probably going to be a three-hour multi-disc album, the way you yeah. cannot stay to any lighter parameters whatsoever.
3: I, all right, I'm going to check the tapes because Madley was mad at me one night too. And cause he was like, you didn't, you went way over and I was positive. I did like seven. And then when I did check the tapes, it cut off at 12 and I was telling him to go self. We talked it out. Me and Madley have that kind of a thing. I got a weird thing with these bald hosts that open mics. Some of my heroes who I just happen to clash with sometimes, uh, but I will admit not ready to admit in the wrong. Totally, totally local. Shout out to them. Great appearance. I apologize for blowing up the comments, but um, all right, Angela, I'm going to check the tapes. I'll talk. Right, to listen, you. Go back. Listen,
0: and we're at Brighton Bar every Monday. I'm going to give you another shot. If you'll go, go over that light seven times in a row, I'm going to have to talk to management, talk to Mike behind the bar, talk to Greg, the owner, and maybe get you barred for life. I don't want to do that. I hate doing that. But I've done it with you before. I, if I have to remove you from the Brighton Bar open mic, list and make you persona non grata I, I'll do it I'm just telling you right now so don't be surprised if you get there in two weeks if you go over again
3: and a, a bouncer removes you from the premises Are we clear on that I'm putting a vibrator in my pocket Angelo. not a vibrator. I'm like my phone on vibrate in my pocket whatever the time is Angelo I'm gonna have Q help me set it up I will be added off stage on t- I don't care if it's mid-sentence it's gonna be like Finnegan's wake James Joyce shout out to that asshole uh it's gonna be like that I'm getting right off acting time Yeah, I think think that would be
0: better for for not just me, but just everybody. I think you got a little more respect for the community. I think you would go a long way. So are we good on that for next week?
3: Absolutely, Angelo. Salute.
0: In case you missed the first season of Me and My Cousins, go back, wherever you listen to podcasts, and listen to Angelo Gingerelli, Mike Casale, and Kenny Nicosia, hit you with three perspectives from three cousins from three different decades. We had sports people like Conor Root from TNL Performance, the guys from Mach 1 Barbell, John Schaefer, and world bench press champion Mike Kapinski. We had music people like DJ Funsize, Chucky Gookin, Short Shot, and Drew the Recluse. We had comedy people like Andrew Lawson, Taylor Allen, and the Ants. We had podcast people like KP Burke and the Foul Housemates, a.k.a. Dan Caprio and Leah Wolf, and we had Jersey Shore legend of making like Jake Dillon, R.C. Stoff, and Spider-Bank KJF, plus the guys from the Bean Mug and Coffee Co. Everybody you're going to be talking about next year, we were talking to last year, Me and My Cousins. It's a podcast, and we're back at Me and My Cousins. I'm glad I got that issue sorted out with Carl Callan, who is very funny, but just a complete wild card at open mics, and now I'm back with another one of my favorite comics from New Jersey. His name's Mike McCloskey. Uh, he just he's, he's everywhere. He's done an album. He's at every open mic. He's a Brighton Bar regular. And I, I'm a Brighton Bar regular on Monday nights. This kid's a regular on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday weekend shows. He's always there uh, getting better week to week and really one of the funniest people at the Jersey Shore. Mike, what's going on, man? What's up, Angelo? Thank you for having me. I right. made it. P- appreciate that. Um, you know, we, we don't go deep dive in the, the comedy kind of theory on this podcast because there's enough podcasts doing that. And everybody that, uh, that's in our world at the Shore kind of knows you and knows your story. So I want to ask you a couple different questions that I haven't heard you ask yet because I'm kind of interested in them myself. And I think when you, when you meet, when you get to know comics, there's a kind of a, a divide between who they are in real life and who they are on stage. And if you see me on stage and then meet me afterwards, I'm kind of the same guy. Like When I'm on stage, I amp it up a little bit, but it's not a, a completely different person. But Mike is a, is a very nice guy that everybody likes, cool guy to hang out with. And then when you get on stage, you have this, this cast of characters, right? That are, some of them are, are nice people, like I'd say Doug Trench. Some of them are not so nice people, like the most famous Carl Callan. How does that happen, man? How do you get, how do you go from Mike to these seven or eight other people that you rotate through um, on stage?
3: Um, I guess just uh, like what Dweck would call the process and the craft. I started after like about four months of doing Carl and I had the voice and stuff and I was already kind of like had it going through my head a lot. But when I started to perform it, I finally started to like listen to myself back and watch myself a little bit, you know, like Kelsey would take videos and put them on YouTube so I could watch them. And really just like from that, I, I, like the context really was, I didn't perform as myself a lot at all. And, um, the majority of stuff is, is other voices. So once I started and got going, it really was just that, just like performing. And, um, and that's why I always credit you. And that's why I put you in the album and stuff of like, what Monday turned into and it was right. I was right on the cusp. I, I went to a few mics prior to you taking over as host, but, mm-hmm. um, just to, you had a good spot every and little by little, like last summer or, or, uh, the summer before, like the leading up to the roast, it was just a good spot every night just to work on things. And the sound quality's really good. So really just like from that, just, just like trying to, um, a little bit of alcohol, maybe too, a little bit of uh, weed and various other things, but, um, Really, it's just that, uh, yeah. just working on, on listening to myself and, and really having it become, like, whatever the word is, second nature, to just get up there and, and, and not... And what I'm trying now is to not worry too much. If I am performing as... cool, Like, the other night when I did Rod Curtain, I, I found myself... <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of moments when I watched it back that are, like, right on the border of Carl, but it's not as whatever it is. Like, his voice is a little deeper or, like, croaky. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to like just do it that way lately, um, and right. that's why. Um, and I also acknowledge the, the 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 reality underneath what we is I have been a little bit uh, indulgent at times and stuff. And I think it it comes from that like just uh, the way things are kind of limited now of just trying to like whenever I have the time to just try different things. Yeah, and yeah
0: man, I'm gonna I'm gonna couple things real quick. No one, thank you for the compliment of, of running a good room. I always like to hear that, and that's great. Um, number two, I think, would you agree if you talk to probably 20 to 30 Jersey comedians, the roast of Carl Callan on August 8th, 2019, in our world was almost like that flight at the end of Avengers is to the Marvel universe. It's like we just <laughs> Keep referring back to it. It's almost, it's two and a, it's a year and a half, almost two years old. And we're, you guys are still cranking out content at the Car- Carney Commission, which I'm going to talk to you about in a minute. Um, but there's, I've been doing this for seven years and there's only a handful of nights. And I, I probably count on one hand that were that much fun and lived up to the hype and then just produced so many between pictures and videos and vocal samples and references for that many people uh that was really something special i mean i, I made i, I we were, there was like 15 promo videos before we got to it and you guys were calling us to pack it out and make it work um and i want to get to the carly commission before we get to that you're from howell correct Yes, but do you have do you have family or something in North Jersey because Coral County to me is such a, a North Jersey guy. That's where does that come from? Is that are you kind of is that based on an uncle or a cousin? Like where does that come from?
3: Um, yeah, most of my family is from Jersey City. Like I was the only one of my siblings not born up there. Uh, I think my parents moved in like '86. And I was born in '88, so like around the time my sister was born, um, they moved to Howell. So, uh, yeah, everybody's from a, a Jersey City, and like years ago, when we still had like relatives and family and stuff, a lot of, people, a lot of, a lot of my family all moved like down here somewhere in like the vicinity of like Monmouth and Ocean County. But yep. um, yeah, I man. I yeah, I, 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 like, the I'm reason sorry. I
0: could sorry, but the reason I'm able to pick it out is my family did that same thing in the seventies. I'm a little bit older than you, right? And. The the thing that I noticed is my cousins that grew up down the shore always had like a not a bad relationship, but had no problem laughing at like the North Jersey old school Italian people. And there's that like divide even till today. You listen to my podcast, like me, Mike, and Kenny are all cousins, but we're not like the typical North Jersey Guidos as our last name would have you believe. Um, and you got you struck me right away as somebody who like like knows that world and knows it well enough to make fun of it in in a way that's not like like super aggressive and antagonistic but gets it, you know what I mean? And that's why I, and the other thing, I'm not sure I've ever told you this before. When you first started coming to Brighton when Heather was the host, I didn't, I had no idea what to make of you because I didn't know it was a character. I was almost scared in the beginning of the, what you were doing, right? And then I got to know you. And then about a month after that, I was at my day job and I was thinking about my, my favorite joke of two of them, which are number one, uh, Mel Gibson died on a boat because he was anti semitic <laughs> and my girlfriend's a real dime. She looks like FDR. And I started laughing out loud in an environment where it was not appropriate <laughs> whatsoever. And then I'm like, this is the weirdest, funniest, I'm going to go ahead and say genius thing going on in, in the Jersey Shore comedy scene right now. So, like, that was kind and then, then we got to be friends later on. And then I, I'm, the joke that I made that I really like is me and Carl Callan are good friends, me and Mike McCloskey are casual acquaintances. Um, yeah, 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 but I, I do, man. I, I, I think what you're doing on stage week to week is so left field and so ridiculous. I can't. And then I like, I played that album for a bunch of people this summer and some of them got it. Some of them didn't, but the people that were like, I don't understand what he's doing. I, I didn't, I couldn't even explain it to him. I'm like, you, you either get this or you don't, but if you get it, it's really something special.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, one, I appreciate you showing, uh, like telling people and, um, And, and like, uh, you know, like spreading, like spreading the word and, and like letting people, but yeah, I don't know. Like as far as like it all developing and and going back to like the North Jersey thing and stuff like, uh, yeah, it kind of like, I guess like I've always been obsessed with the Sopranos and I got family from like North Jersey and stuff. And, um, and I think like Carl a little bit, uh, my grandfather who actually died on one of the first nights I ever did stand up, um, I feel like there's a lot of Carl in him because he was, like, very much, like, uh, he doesn't mean it, but he's a little bit, like, women. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, a little bit of, like, he had a weird relationship with my grandmother, and it was always, like, you know, that kind of, like, she's a pain in the ass kind of thing. Like, his attitude, he would always joke and whatever. And, like, so, yeah, uh, Carl with the FDR, she's, like, a real dime and stuff. I think, like, after he died and then I started doing the Carl voice and stuff as a response to, like, having some struggles performing as myself. Um, And he was from uh, the city, New York City originally, and then moved to Jersey City. But um, I would say, like, that's where probably of, of when you were saying, like, as far as, like, the North Jersey, like, the perspective on it, but you're not from there. Yeah. Um, and I, dude, I, let me run this bias. See if you agree with me on this. I was on the Simmons and Moore podcast You're two
0: good guys. Shout out to Simmons and Moore. Um, and they, they got to know me pretty well over the last couple of years. And they're like, when we just saw you on stage, we thought you were a jerk. Like we thought you were like super aggressive Guido Jersey Shores Then we get to know you and you're a nice guy. Right. To me, that's what they said to me. And what I said on their podcast was, if, a, if on a scale of 1 to 10, a 1 is just completely at peace with yourself and the universe and everything's going great, and a 10 is uncontrollable blind rage and fury, right? In <laughs> At the Jersey Shore, we operate at about a 6 or a 7 normally, right? In North Jersey, they're at like a 9 on an <laughs> everyday basis. And that's what I think so funny about the character is that he's raging against the room and, and the crowd a lot of times, but then he's making these incredibly smart literary references that I think are over the head of a lot of people sometimes. So my question is like, did you do really well in school? Because I think the idea to combine, like you did the other night, that like the history of the Dominican Republic's uh, dictatorship combined with like a story about driving down Route Nine and Howell with your friend from high school is like <coughs> so so crazy. Like, how does that how does that happen? Like, how do you get those kind of historical and literary references and weave them into
3: stories about you know hanging out in Asbury Park? Right, right. Um I wasn't, uh, like, high school. I went to St. Rose, and that's why it was a shame that your show got canceled right be- you know, in the quarantine. The thing you were doing with Joey B, uh, you yeah, were going to uh, put—
0: ABC Comedy Show at the Beach House Brewery.
3: Yeah, I went to school. Like, I can see school from the window of that place. Like, when I came to the to show that Jacinda and Matt Nessimeno were on— um, yeah, that
0: was really like the last show. we. That was the last one before the, the
3: world shut down last year. But yeah, I appreciate it. But uh, as far as like specifically to the Dominican Republic, I had a teacher, a Spanish teacher at St. Rose named Mrs. Ramirez, who uh, she like showed us the movie I talked about in the time of the butterflies, which is about Trujillo uh, and like later, like right before he got killed. But there were these sisters who he kind of like, I don't know if he like sexually abused them and he was going to kill one of them and whatever it is, check it out if you haven't seen it. But um, I have to thank her for that. I was like average in high school, maybe like a little bit above average. in like, I guess like English, no self-discipline, no self-control and terrible at math and science. But uh, <laughs> I always like to read man. and stuff. And <laughs> but uh, and I went to Monmouth. I went to Monmouth for um uh, I guess I graduated with just like a degree in English, just just a right. B.A., um, in English. And I always like to read and, and I tried to write. I was always like writing and stuff. That was always like my hope to be like a writer of some sort. Um, so I guess like, yeah, like as far as any of that stuff, just, gotcha. yeah, it just comes from like so, reading and stuff. And,
0: right. So you're mixing, like you said, super historical literary references with this kind of like, like new North Jersey, tough guy attitude when you do Carl. Has that ever gone bad? have you ever like one thing you do that I think is very funny is you'll stare at somebody in a crowd and kind of you like roast them without saying anything and you do it to me a lot at Brighton and I I like it a lot I think it's very funny sometimes I wish you'd pick somebody else but that's besides the point <laughs> um has that ever gone bad where somebody didn't get that it's a character and they wanted to, to fight or heckle or anything like that
3: um I guess I've had hecklers but I don't think anyone's like real specific to me necessarily I mean you know we couple weeks ago like you know, we have the occasional heckler at like your mic and stuff or whatever. So I don't think there's ever been like a really, really. And sometimes I'm just really drunk and I the lights are in my eyes and I, <laughs> it, I mean it goes naturally with Carlton scrunch up his face, which yeah, kind of helps agreed. me like focus a little bit because I'm not, I'm probably not looking as direct at somebody as it seems. <laughs> like yes, yeah, and, I got and you. it's just like a. And I think normally maybe that has helped with like the deflection of people aren't gonna maybe. You know, get aggressive, like, you know, they'll heckle and else like anybody else, but they're, it's, it's not, never been because I kind of like am like looking, but not looking. Yeah. You hear know what I I'm saying? You. Yo, I, and- yeah, I, I totally get it. um The other thing you
0: have besides all these characters that most comics at our level don't have at all is you have an insane support system around you, right? And that's why I, I say a lot, I said I'm totally local. I'll say it right to your face. I think I'm a pretty good checkers player. I think you're, you guys are playing chess at the Carney commission. And the reason why I say that is if you look at how hard it is to actually d- develop any kind of name or fan base, social media is a big part of it, right? YouTube is a big part of it. Editing videos and producing content all the time is a big part of it. There's so much more than just being funny on stage and you guys and your little crew that I want you to talk about do a great job of putting on big time events and having food and drinks and music and then producing all the online content in the weeks after that event. How does that, how does that work? Like who does it involve? Who does what? Who, I mean, I would assume you got a lot of people help you out on that stuff.
3: Yeah. Kelsey obviously does probably the most. Uh, she's um, like, yeah, any of the footage of me is thanks to her like album wise. So as far as putting stuff like that out, she taught me how to use the video editor, which I'm still, like, I'm still working on getting a little bit better because I really want to, especially when it involves, like, the community and stuff. Like, I really want to be able to put out stuff that's, like, quality, like, you know what I mean? Like, quality looking and quality sounding and stuff. So, she taught me that. And, um, yeah, it's, like, a, a combination. But uh, Kelsey does a lot of the organizing. And, uh, you know, we have the business here. My sister, you know, helps out and, and, and will bring food and stuff. Yeah, you wanna and, shout out the business. Yeah, Red Rose Bakery. Uh, it's uh, they normally uh, we we normally provide like the pastries and stuff, so that's like my sister. That's Tiff works here, she came to the roast and sang at the roast with Kelsey. Um,
0: I number one, I I have family I, I live in Long Ranch, my family, my dad's downtown, river uh, Most of the time, if I go and see him, I'll stop at Red Rose and get something to bring to the cookout or whatever it is we're having. Now, obviously, we had less of those in 2020 because of the pandemic, but I still stopped by a few times and I think my favorite Red Rose Bakery story ever, I walked in there one day, and Tiffany was working the counter, and I just, the first thing out of my mouth is, can I have a cake that says, Richard Dweck. (laughs) And without any hesitation, she just goes, pick the cake you want, I'll write it on there. That's that's a bakery, man. When when the person behind the counter doesn't think that's a joke, that's a quality bakery in New Jersey. (laughs) um but yeah man i love you guys you guys do a great job of making the things events and feeding everybody and really having a good time and and making these holidays that have been weird this year like valentine's day uh better for everybody that being said what is the what's the five-year plan what do you guys want to do do next What, what are you looking forward to when we're back out in public and and people are congregating again
3: what's the next thing for you guys um i'm uh, like for me personally I'm trying to put out a few more stand up things, but we want to get more into like hopefully like save up a little money and get like uh like some good cameras and stuff and maybe start doing either like some sketch stuff or some animation stuff because we have uh Lauren Howe who drew you on the poster of the roast Uh-oh. she's a uh, i've I've
0: been i've been drawn several times a few of them were purposely (laughs) derogatory towards my appearance and that is the best uh character i'm not sure if it's called a character i'm not really an art person but it's the best drawing of myself i've ever seen so super shout out to her
3: oh yeah i love that poster and um and she's studying animation and stuff so we're we're hoping to there's nothing too specific like as far as that goes but um but also,
0: you so know, it's another topic. thing real quick. I get the feeling that my conversation with Tiffany about the Dwet cake was similar to Caprio's conversation with Lauren about the poster for his album that's dropping this year. He was like, look, can you make a f- picture that's half my face, half an otter's face? And it was like, I'm turning into an otter. And the special is called Otterly Ridiculous. And <laughs> she was like, coming right up
3: yeah right yeah like yeah and that's what I mean that's what like uh she came with her with her boyfriend to the roast and stuff uh so and that's what's crazy is that like i I love that about like just the people I know and the people I see on like a semi daily basis you guys are like household names to us you know what I'm saying like Wait, she knows you what's crazy that- man
0: i said this, I said this to Dweck when we he was on the podcast in January it's weird the way like you said, household names are almost like like celebrity status. Where so many people in my family know everybody's name because I post about them, where they come to a show and see people, um, or like they'll even ask like, "How's Dwek doing?" Or is that guy Carl still making fun of his girlfriend right in front of her face? Um, it's a weird thing because like the, the things <laughs> that stick are they stick The thing that stick in my mind end up sticking to my family's mind as well. So then it says, if you, if you got something that like my wife sees in March and then remembers it, in let's say that, you know, November, that's when you kind of have something that, that outsiders can get. And maybe you have something that a real you know fans and audience might actually like.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, um, and again, it goes back to like you and on the Monday Mike and really like stabilizing it and giving it like a consistent, and now, yeah, there's just so many like other things. That like for the future, like you said, like five year plan. Um, I'm working on a thing. I talked to Tim Rager, who you were on his show. Uh, I was on his show the episode before. I'm sure yours is dropping soon. Um, And just trying to take uh, advantage of the momentum. Like you're doing a lot of things, which is really like, I don't bullshit. Like I know we post and we're wise asses and stuff. When I say that you motivate and inspire me to, you know, just put shit out and, and keep trying things. I'm working on a thing right now. I talked to Tim Rager about it. I'm going to reach out to you and a bunch of other people. But uh, if you're familiar with the podcast called S-Town, which stands for Shit Town, it was, uh, it was like, a, like a different kind of podcast. It was like a journalistic podcast. Like a, like a
0: murder com- mystery, basically, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. And I never in a million years thought I would sit and have the attention span because I'm a spaz these days. And Kelsey, uh, Kelsey's mom, Kelly, told her about it, I think. And I sat down and listened to it, and I was so, so intrigued by it. So I have, I have an idea that's inspired by it um, and that I'm going to talk to you about and stuff. And I won't get into it now because that's, like, not the, like, place. But it's, it's going to be basically, like, telling a story in that form. And I want all of, uh, you know, all of my friends and comedians and, and people – to do like the voice acting and stuff for it. Uh,
0: that's, that's a great idea. So when you're ready to drop that, uh, come back on the show and we'll talk about it and we'll get a couple people in it and uh, maybe have an episode just dedicated to talking about that and promoting it and get as many ears on as possible. Because I think that, I mean, I think as much as I love everybody's podcast this year in the pandemic era, we've probably taken the just the the comedy on comedy interview as far as we can. So I think if you got the idea to do the next thing, I think that's great. Because I personally I thought the next thing in podcasting was getting local authors like R.C. Staub to talk about their books. But you
3: <laughs> right. adamantly disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, yeah, no, nah, I'm I, like Carl might, but uh, yeah. but I I like that idea of just stretching out and, and also having things with like an open like the kind of the, the idea I have, when I I'll talk to you or whatever about.
0: Yeah, it, we'll like, get it done, man. But I, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to doing it with you and uh, promoting it on me and my cousins as much as possible. That being said, because our other guest is about to click in, when you got to get to an open mic because it's a Tuesday, and Mad Lee is over at Brighton Bar waiting for you to go in there and crush that stage. What do you want to leave the me and my cousin listeners with before we wrap it up tonight?
3: Um. Really, just thank you for having me. Come out to Brighton if you can, Me and My Cousins listeners. I don't speak for myself. I speak for everybody. We'd love to see you.
0: It's a new year. It's a new season of the Me and My Cousins podcast. I got the books coming out this year. Mike's got a girlfriend. It's Instagram official. I think Kenny got a new haircut. Big things in our family, big things on the podcast, and we got a sick lineup of guests for 2021 for you guys. From music, we got DJ Fun Size. We got Rodney Corsi from Garden State Hip Hop. We got Ramsey Said What from What's the Movement? We got the whole ITM click on one episode. From the world of comedy, we got Richard Dweck. We got Ziggy from The Roast Room. We got Sabrina Ayo, We got Carl Callan. And of course, we have the recap of my roast battle with Matt Nessimeno from Comedy Fight Club. From the business world, we're bringing in everybody from Runner's High. We're bringing in the owner of Ghost Harbor Creative. And from the podcast world, we're having a reunion of everybody from the First Appearance Podcast. Me and my cousins, it's a podcast. And it's Angelo Gingerelli from the Me and My Cousins Podcast, one-third of the Me and My Cousins Podcast, uh, back with another great interview with a Jersey Shore Comedy Luminary, one of the funniest comics down at the Jersey Shore, uh, somebody who's been great to work with, and somebody who has an incredible Just a man of guts because she booked a comedy show with Jersey Shore Comics at her day job. And we're going to talk about that because I think I'm like a pretty brave guy. But that is something I would not do. I would not trust my comedy friends around my work people under any circumstance. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Talk about her story and just talk about, you know, what it's like to be a a young, newer comic in the scene that's developed over the last, you know, five to ten years at the Jersey Shore. So without further ado, Sabrina, what's going on, buddy?
4: Hey, hey, Angela. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, it was pretty ballsy of me to uh, do a comedy show for my day job. It was pretty risky.
0: It was really fun. It was on Zoom, obviously, because 2020, everything's on Zoom. Uh, what did your co-workers think about that? Did they go over it pretty well? It looked like everybody's happy and having a good time.
4: Yeah, everyone was having a good time. They mentioned some like off-color jokes that were told, like, but it wasn't even off-color. It was like, Oh, she mentioned, like, oh, I don't know, like, oh, they wouldn't even, like, say what some people said, like, we had Donna Lloyd there, Um, I feel like she didn't even say, like, that risque of stuff, Um, like, one of her jokes was about shaving, like, down there, and, like, some of the ladies were like, oh, she said down there, like, I was like, I don't know, they were just, like, you know, they were mostly cool about it, some people were, were, like, a little shocked.
0: Nice. I thought it was a fun night overall, man. I appreciate it. Let me be a part of that. So that, I guess we kind of kind of got to where you are right now, which is stand-up comedy and real estate. Give me your, your brief bio. Like if you had about a minute to tell somebody, I was born at X and now I'm doing Y. How, what's that story like?
4: So um, I lived in Jersey all my life. Uh, grew up in Bergen County. Went to Rutgers for my bachelor's and master's. Um, lived in Red Bank for four, the past four years. Now I'm in Asbury Park. Um. Yeah. Now I'm here doing real estate, doing comedy, living the dream.
0: Just real quick, because this isn't a by any means a real estate pocket. It's an interesting time for the entire Jersey Shore economy right now. What's the real estate market like in, you know, say Eastern Monmouth County, from Monmouth County, from Red Bank to Asbury Park?
4: Yeah, that's where I focus mainly too. So that's good. Um, basically, there's very low inventory. Like, not a lot of houses on the market. Not even a lot of rentals or summer rentals going on. I mean that's expected because people are kind of scared about COVID and they don't want showings in their home and they're hesitant about that. But we have like all these safety protocols and, you know, we wear the protective gear and I wear gloves, masks, Purell, you know, things like that. Um, but there are so many buyers because everyone is coming from New York, Hoboken, Jersey city, and they want to live here because it's such a great area. Um, and there's just no inventory. So a lot of homes are getting like multiple bids um, and they're like driving up prices uh, for these homes too. So it's great if you're a homeowner. Um,
0: Tough time <laughs> to build by. It. Yeah. So as as a professional, what do you think about the, about New is New York dead? Is Jersey city dead? or those cities where they're super cramped and everyone's on top of each other? Now they're great times. I, I've of the best times in my life in New York city, Jersey city and Hoboken. But is that, are we, do we come back to what that was? Like, do we see a packed Times Square? Do we see, you know, a hundred bars in a village packed to the capacity on a Saturday night again, or are we, are we done with that as a country?
4: I don't think we're done with it. Right. Um, I think a lot of people are reevaluating where we're at. Like a lot of companies have moved to fully remote. Um, But I don't think the city's dead. Um, I think there is an aversion to high rise living right now, just because of like air circulation and you don't want to be living on top of someone. Um, But I mean, right now is a great time to buy in the city, like because prices are dropping because the demand is so low in the city and the demand is so high here in Monmouth County, New Jersey. So kind of like flip-flopped a little bit, but um, no, I I don't think the city's dead. We're, we're pretty resilient, right. Uh, in the tri-state area. So I think we'll get back to semi normalcy. eventually. And
0: I, and I think too, from like, this is like a pop culture perspective. There's so many movies and TV shows and music videos that are set in the city that just looks so cool. Right. Um, so even if that, that, that demographic that's kind of aging out of the city and they're commuting to the city for day jobs or from home and they're buying stuff in red bank or highlands or whatever. Um, I think young kids are going to see those things You're like, oh, wait, New York City is the coolest place on earth. I got to I gotta be there. I don't think that's going to go away unless we just, like, like men in black style, delete our collective memory of how great parts of New York City, Jersey, and Hoboken are. Is that fair?
4: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, do, you ever, do you have any stories where real estate and comedy cross over? Like you're showing a unit to somebody and they're like, oh, I saw you at Stress Factory last night. Has that ever happened?
4: Um, well, kind of the closest thing that has happened is – you know, John Moses, he was yes. on a uh, comedy holiday party that we did together. He's
0: a comedian um, and home inspector, correct?
4: Yes, exactly. So that was kind of like a crossover because um, I've been working with another agent too. So I went to a home inspection for her and he showed up and I was like, oh shit.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it the weirdest thing in the world when your comedy life and your real life coincide like that?
4: Yeah. And then people are like, if people ask like how do you know each other, it's like, oh, we do comedy together. And then it's kind of starts like a cool conversation though. Um, so it's yeah. pretty
0: fun. Yeah, like I always say I, I go out of my way to keep my day job and my comedy jobs completely separate, right? You yeah. do a I think a pretty good job of keeping them together. Like I've seen a bunch of, of stuff you posted on Facebook and videos trying to you know, introducing yourself as a realtor, but like my interests are Real estate, the Jersey Shore, the beach, my cats, and stand-up comedy. And you do a pretty good job of, of ming, you know, mingling the two in a good way.
4: Thank you. And you got all my interests down in a nutshell, so that was perfect.
0: I think that, that's good. Four interests is all we need as adults. I think you know you get that fifth interest. You don't know, have time for a job or a family anymore. Exactly. Um, so that, that, that being said. Has it ever, has comedy ever you know, reared its head in your day job or was it like a negative where something happened that what, like your boss saw you post something online, they disagreed with or anything like that?
4: Um, I try to be mindful, like sometimes, you know, as you've seen me with when I do open mics or if I'm booked on a show, sometimes I can be pretty blue, so to say, mm-hmm. uh, but like when we did our comedy show for my company, I kind of toned it down. And, um, I definitely know my audience. I'm very aware of that. And whatever I post on social media is very calculated, you know, because I do have that presence. I want to still be professional, um, but also still show my funny side. And now I'm kind of realizing in 2021 that like, I don't need to be so vulgar all the time in order to be funny. You know, I think like starting out, like you think you need to you know, say, but when it comes down to it, like a good joke's a good joke.
0: Agreed. Totally agreed. And what I always say is that somebody, like, we're, I think we're in similar places in life. We have a, a, a job and you have these, these mics and shows you do at night. Um, I think people that have never done standup don't understand how, like when you go into that, that, that stage and we we'll use Brighton Bar for an example, but that's a pretty good example for this. It's kind of like the outside world shuts off. Right. And you're operating in this little bubble where things that are funny to that room might not be funny to your spouse, to your boss, to your mom, to your aunt, uncle, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, but that room kind of kind of eggs you on to say the the blue humor or the, the off color joke. And I think a lot of times people catch it on tape and it's not it's something the person might not say or even necessarily believing but they, they kind of the environment pulls it out of them. You know what I mean? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I think I definitely, like, you know, with my friends and family, like, I'm pretty vulgar, but, and so it kind of translated naturally into comedy, Um, but it's funny that you say, like, it being specific to the room that you're in, because the first time I went to Brighton Bar, I was like, am I missing something? Like, who's Richard Dweck? Is he, (laughs) and like, and like when Carl, like, would go on stage, I'd be like, who is this guy? Like, what? is happening like i was so confused when i first started out coming to brighton bar yeah. and then you kind of like get to know the the folks that are coming in and the inside jokes and stuff and it's it's a really good time
0: yeah it, it's really fun it's a little bit of a like inside baseball vibe where you got to kind of know some of the people and names and references to really get everything but uh, right. that being said if you do come out the first couple times there might be a little adjustment period but eventually by the third time you're kind of like a like a regular at that point you kind of get everything going on uh, that being said, you're you're openly an LGBT plus comedian, correct?
4: Yes, uh, okay. I'm a, I'm
0: a traditional lesbian. Great. Uh, I have a well. You're not a traditional lesbian. You're a hashtag cute lesbian. I will tell you why I know that. Uh, on Saturday morning, me, and my wife, and my daughter, are hanging out in the house, and you put a great Facebook story up, which I super appreciate promoting my book that's coming out uh, in February 2021. Right. So. Yeah. My wife goes, who's Sabrina? And we just clicked on it at the same time somehow because we're both in the same room staring at our phone. And she clicks on it. He goes, who's Sabrina? You know, she's a funny comic. I'm having a podcast this week. And then she goes, she's a cute lesbian. And I go, you said it, not me. And then she goes, that's in her profile on Instagram. So,
4: <laughs>
0: So that being Thank said.
4: Thank you so much. I totally appreciate that. All right.
0: So, as somebody who knows a little bit about that world, being in Asbury Park, just in, in the circles I move in, but not a ton, is that a common hashtag? Is that your own thing? Is that part of a bigger thing on Instagram, or what, what is
4: that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm trying to attract cute lesbians into my atmosphere. So, like, I'm putting it out into the world. Uh, I don't know. It's probably some kind of like. So, I also started doing TikTok. And I okay. felt like I was too old for a little bit. Like, I'm only 29, but, like, I don't know. I felt kind of old h- hopping into this TikTok universe. Um, and I use that hashtag on TikTok a lot.
0: Okay, I so, did you get pretty decent results? Like, you get some some other cute lesbians hitting you up, or how's that working for you?
4: So, let's say So, first I was posting pictures of, like, uh, TikToks of my cats. Then I was like, you know what? Like, there's, like there's like a gay talk so to speak uh there's like all different kinds of subsets of tiktok and like one is like gay talk and like lesbian tiktok and basically on my for you page it's all lesbians and cats which is like it fits my personality um one of my videos of me i think it has like around 700 views which i was like so happy about but my cats have outshined me. They have like 1,700 views on one of the videos.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I've been saying for ten years the hardest thing about YouTube and and anything like YouTube, right? I said about YouTube, it applies to TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, any any app. You could write the greatest joke in the world. It could have a social conscience. It could be perfectly worded. It could be perfectly timed. And you post that, and it get let's say it gets 600 hits. That same day a cat falling off a piano got six million hits.
4: <laughs> Literally. I, I know. I mean, they deserve it because they're so cute, but um
0: uh so with, with that being said about TikTok and social media, how how much do you feel being a lesbian informs your your voice on stage and what you bring to to a mic or a show that might be different than than another kind of person?
4: Oh, it totally uh influences my comedy. I like bringing light to I don't, I don't want to say taboo topics but like you know I've experienced like harassment in the world like people on the streets calling me a dyke I, like I've been you have no idea the amount of strangers that come up to me and tell me their opinion on my lifestyle and how god is going to send me to hell because I'm going to get married and I'm like I, what are you talking about I'm not married I don't know if you know where this is coming from. It's like crazy people come at you when you're openly gay in the world and you just kind of have to let it slide off your back. And for me, I kind of translated all those experiences into my comedy um, because I ultimately want to inform people like in an approachable way that, you know, Hey, these comments, like you're too pretty to be gay or like, you know, maybe you just haven't met the right dick. Like, those comments are not okay. And I kind of make it known through my comedy. Like, these are some things sh- that people have said to me, but I do, I say it like as a joke, but it's also informing people to kind of reformat the way we talk to people in the LGBTQ plus community.
0: And you say like, oh, this, this person said this thing to me that they completely believed in, like in their soul. But then you just be like, you phrase it and and put an accent on a word where it comes out like, oh, that is the dumbest thing anyone in this room's ever heard. I think that's a pretty powerful thing. I really think it's one of my favorite things that uh, that Congress can do. And like one of mine, I said in this, our year-end wrap-up, I was like, in 2020, we argued two phrases I never thought we would argue. In the summer, people said Black Lives Matter, and a bunch of people said no, they don't, right? And then yeah. in any the election, people were like count all the votes and a lot of people were like no don't count all the votes but i'm like how are we arguing about phrases like black lives matter and count all the votes they're both things we should just it should be a given in 2020 fair
4: yeah that should just be a given um basic human rights
0: right um, but i mean i I, i'm but to to your point when you kind of when you and i've seen other comics do this i think it's great when you do it you're kind of like somebody said something to me that they meant to be super offensive. But when I bring that same environment and show the mirror them of how just ridiculous it is, it becomes funny, but also becomes powerful of, well, that is a ridiculous thing to say or think.
4: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So I always appreciate when you or other comics do that. Um, the other thing I got, I don't, I don't think we have a ton of, of gay listeners to this podcast, but just based on the guests we've had and the feedback I've gotten, who are some comics in that world that you think are, are, slept on that other people should know about either comics tv shows youtube channels whatever it is mm. that that maybe maybe i don't know about but i might enjoy
4: well i mean the most popular lesbian of all time is ellen degeneres and she kind of had some controversy last year real quick we're um, going
0: any further do you think she's funny
4: <laughs> um i think she had her moment
0: oh, okay yeah Here, I, <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna give you my take. I think she is funny. I really, but I think she's funny because I don't watch that show every day because I have a a job, obviously. So when I do see it or see a highlight, I end up laughing at it. I, but I also understand if you did watch it every day for 15 years, the shtick would get old. Is that fair?
4: I think she, yeah, I agree, and I think she's extremely likable, and she made being. I don't i hate to say this but she made being gay palatable to a lot of like middle america like house moms like that stay home and that's yeah, fair totally fair um yeah so i would say ellen but we'll table her because that old. being said
0: how much do you care that you might not be a, a nice person backstage
4: i don't really care I, I, that might I, be a controversial I opinion i really don't give a shit she's she's done enough for the like America, like she promotes, you know, like be kind, love one another, that kind of stuff. Like if she doesn't practice what she preaches, like, okay, get in line with the rest of us, you know?
0: Yeah. Also, also like, I think if you're a sports fan at all, like we ignore athletes doing horrendous things off the field and still wear their jerseys and hats when we go to the games, you know what I mean? We know musicians that have been the worst people ever to literally everyone in their life. And we still listen to music when it comes on. Um, I don't know why we decide that just being mean to people allegedly is a, is a reason to not watch that show anymore. I don't understand what happened last year with that.
4: Yeah, like I'm pre- I'm fairly nice, but like if someone does something stupid, I don't know. Who knows what those people are doing? I don't know the extent of it, you know, like I've been yelled at yeah. before, you know, I don't know. I, I well, feel like we don't have the full story there.
0: F- fair, completely fair on that. Oh, so what about outside of Ellen? Any other things we should be up on that, like someone like me might not know about?
4: Um, so I will say, have you heard, like you know Fortune teamster
0: Uh YouTube person.
4: She. Oh no,
0: no, no! The, she was on Chelsea lately back in the day.
4: Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Have
0: you seen the movie Chick Fight?
4: I did. What'd you think? Um, good. Maybe I think.
0: You know, you know, Tadpole Tripler, right? The other yeah. other comic that I we're friends that. with. Me too. Great guy. His friend might've produced or written. He, he, he told me about the movie. Cause one of his friends worked on the movie. So that made me and my wife watch it. And I thought it was good. It was a solid, you know, comedy fighting, find yourself kind of movie. What'd you think?
4: Yeah. Like I liked the message. I, I'm like, I watched it recently too. I also have a very bad memory, but I remember, um, Oh, Malin what's her name? Ackerman. Ackerman. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really good. I actually really enjoyed it and I referred it to like other people to watch. Cause I did, I don't know. I thought it was like a, a good, easy watch, especially during like COVID times. It
0: also, it also, I thought it was a good chance to laugh at Alec Baldwin trying to be funny, which is a break from his 2021 so far with his wife pretending to be Spanish and him being real <laughs> mad about it. Um, <laughs> I it's like, took it's like a weird time. I feel like, and I, I have no idea what kind of person Alec Baldwin is off camera, but I do think he's very funny on Saturday night live and a few of his movies. And he's like, there's karaoke scenes in that movie where like laugh out loud, funny to me.
4: Yeah. He was, I, I love Alec Baldwin. Like I loved him since like the first time I actually liked Alec Baldwin was when he was in 30 rock. And that's when I really got to like in the Alec Baldwin, like atmosphere. Um, I liked him in that movie it was funny I think he was a good like role to play like I don't know he kind of played like a father figure to her you know and um taught her how to fight and in like his own way um I used to listen to his podcast I used to like uh whatever his podcast was called I used to listen to it like back in the day um I do generally like him, and it's unfortunate that his wife had to pretend to be a different um, nationality. But
0: <laughs> yeah, that was such—I don't know, man—that was just a weird situation that we all cared about for about three days, and then just completely forgot about by I don't know, three days later. But that being said, you like Alec Baldwin's podcast. Talk about your podcast a little bit. What's that about? How do we find it, and what are your goals with that?
4: Um, so my podcast is called Pod for One. It can be found anywhere you know podcasts are available wherever you listen to them and basically it's about lgbtq plus topics like i reviewed recently i reviewed the movie the happiest season which was like one of the first if not the only um christmas lesbian movie um produced by clea DuVall, and she was on veep did you watch that show
0: uh no but that's a lane from seinfeld right
4: yeah oh yeah she she played the main character and then clea duvall was in veep with her Uh, but she produced this christmas movie about like a lesbian couple so i reviewed that on my podcast recently so i like talking about lgbtq stuff um mental health because i suffer from anxiety and depression myself uh comedy of course and of course my cats because i love them so much
0: Cool. Yeah, you have guests or It's just it's what I've heard from the episode of this do it. It's just, it's a one woman show, correct?
4: Yeah, so like that's kind of my thing right now. I do want a co-host though. Like I eventually do want a co-host because I just like the banter back and forth. Like even though I do, do stand-up comedy and like I can talk at people for a pretty good length of time. Um I just like the banter back and forth during a podcast. Like all my favorite podcasts have co-hosts, um, and guests. So that is something that I want to do in 2021, find a co-host and you know, I have some people in mind and then also start booking guests. Um, I think what you do on your podcast is great. I, I was listening to a couple of them over the past couple of days and they're just really great. I love, you know, hearing about local stuff and hearing from all the comedians and. I get lost when you guys talk about sports though. I'm just
0: like, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's hard because I, I try to keep it kind of my, my one cousin's 30. My other cousin's about 20. I'm 40. And we try to hit like stuff that we all know about. And sports is one of the few things that kind of goes through those, all those age groups. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. listen to different music. We have different versions of going out and what a good time means for us. I'm married. Mike's got a girlfriend, Kenny's single. Um, but it's a weird thing about sports. Like it's the one thing we all can relate to. Cause we all kind of watch the same teams and stuff. But, and then they, they're not really involved in the comedy world at all. So I'm bringing on comedians that I, and we're talking about like joke writing stuff and they're, they're not in that world at all. So we do the best we can. And we think it comes out pretty good. Um, we're going to keep trying to get better just like you are and keep expanding what we're doing and keep growing our audience as best we can. That being said, is there anything else you want to throw out to me and my cousin's listeners? Uh, where to find you online? Where's your podcast and what can we look out for from Sabrina in 2021?
4: Um, so you can find my podcasts on like Apple Podcasts. It's on, it's on SoundCloud as well. Um, for this year, you know, I am w- focusing on real estate. Definitely trying to sell as many homes as possible. Help people relocate. Um, find their house of their dream, <laughs> so to speak. Um, for my podcast goals, you know, I just want to get a co-host and make it more gay. Um, I don't know if that's possible, but I'll try. And, um, for comedy, I had a, a couple goals, like right before COVID, I was getting booked on a, a show every month. So I wanted to keep that up in 2020, nice. but then obviously COVID threw a wrench in that plan. Um, and I kind of, you know, had to take a backseat on that, but for 2021, I definitely want to keep, you know, getting out there and, Try to get booked on shows if there are shows happening safely, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's such a weird time and that that obviously the, uh, there was been a ton of super bad things from the pandemic, but just the effect on our world has been incredible. Um, and uh, where we live, the summer is actually was pretty good last year. I think we're pretty good again. Um, but then when the weather gets cold and you can't be outside anymore, it's rough. It's a rough time to be trying to entertain people in, in bars and restaurants and light clubs and stuff. So hopefully we figure this out soon and things go back to quote unquote normal, or at least a better normal, uh, than we are in right now in the last 12 months at this point, we've been in that pandemic era for just about a full year. So with that being said, I want to thank Sabrina for coming out tonight. Uh, listen to her podcast, Pod for One. It's super entertaining. It's sounds like it's only getting more entertaining. And if you see her name or face on a flyer, on a billboard, on a Facebook post, an Instagram post about a show she's doing, go check her out. She makes me laugh every time I see her. Uh, so super shout out to Sabrina Ayoub, me and my cousins. It's a podcast.